0: Adrian, great to have you with us today. Can you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about your research? Yes, uh, my name is Adrian Busworth. I am a
1: um, demonstrator and a uh, point four lecturer at Bournemouth University. Uh, and as part of the desire to progress and move forwards, uh, I've um, undertaken a, well quite a number of qualifications over the years. But at the moment, I'm working towards a doctorate and a doctorate of education. Um, and my title uh, for my the, the work that I'm putting forward for that is To What Extent is the University Television Studio an Inclusive Pedagogic
0: Space? Okay. I have a fairly good understanding of what that title means. Can you elaborate?
1: Well, and yes, every time I say
0: this I get uncomfortable
1: with the fact that pedagogy, the word pedagogy is in the title because that's... You know one of the things that you're encouraged to do with research is to make it instantly sort of uh, accessible and understandable. Um, and pedagogy is one of those words that uh, is part of technical jargon that in a way is used to obscure uh, how simple sometimes things are. Um, and it just means learning in the studio. So it's just is it an inclusive learning space would actually be a more reasonable title, but I suppose the same as everyone else, I feel that pressure to to put a word in that makes it sound um, intellectual? Yeah. Thank you for finishing my sentence. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly. No, I think that's exactly right. So yes, to what extent is the university television studio an inclusive learning space? So maybe we'll change it to that. I it's, think you should. Actually. It's interesting having this conversation because, of course, you do question things as you're saying them. Mm. Uh, and um, in fact, I did a, a, a postgraduate certificate in education a few years back, which I think you've done as well, haven't you? Mm-hmm. The same time, in fact. Yes. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, my point being that um did a... Actually, were you in that presentation group? You may have even been in the presentation group when we did a presentation on um, learning through teaching. Yep. No, you weren't. You were in a different group, weren't were
0: you? Were we? I don't know.
1: I can't remember what you did Carry for your on. presentation. But yes, it was a group of four of us, and we did it on the fact that when you are teaching, when you're putting something you understand into a framework to communicate it to other people for them to understand it, that is at the point which you question your... Uh, how well it all fits together, and um, tend to improve the whole way that you're thinking about it, the theoretical framework that you're applying to that
0: those sets of ideas. So what I'm saying is, this is very useful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Like speaking out loud about it is going to help you to.
1: Yeah, and putting it into uh, a framework for somebody else to understand. Mm. Each time you do that, you refine the framework. I think personally. Mm. Um, when you're sat down reading uh, or writing and engaging with the work on your own you're not thinking about it from someone else's perspective and how that easy that is to, to understand um, and you, you, haven't, you don't refine the framework in that way so anyway, yes to what extent is the university television studio an inclusive learning space when, is the question
0: when you're writing then do you think you're not at all thinking about your audience reading it as you're writing it
1: um yes you are but I think that's different to um speaking out loud to somebody I mean yeah I i have not critiqued in the same way having the word pedagogy in the title as I have when I've when I've said it and a couple of times recently I've said it out loud and have substituted the word learning for pedagogy and as soon as I said it to you just then, did the same thing. So I think that makes sense. It makes a, a simpler, um, more easy to understand title. And actually I've forgotten there is a second after the title, which is a Bourdieusian approach, which, which points to the theoretical framework through uh, which the research is being conducted, which is to, to use um, a lot of the sort of ideas
0: Pierre Bourdieu had about education and society. So that sort of subtitle could perhaps appease the more academic audience that you're hoping to reach and the main title is a bit more inclusive and allows people to...
1: Yeah, well, I think you've just actually answered the question of whether I should change it or not because it's not about... Even an academic audience does not want to be uh, needlessly um, encumbered by difficult words, Um, even, you know, a word that's not particularly difficult like pedagogy, but... um, the important thing is that we've got inclusion in the title, and I'm using the word that excludes, not includes. So <laughs> that's, that's a very that's good point. There's an <laughs> yeah. irony to it. Um, is, but do
0: you think, because I've often wondered, um, some people say don't dumb down for your audience. It's um, not and a case I, of dumbing down, but, that's but accessibility, I also, yeah, But I also wonder, mm. is, th- is the word pedag- pedagogy exactly the same as the word learning, or does it, in- does it mean more than learning? because if it does, then you're saying more with one word, which is a more efficient way of communicating an idea to people. Because I've often thought about this, like when people say, why do you use such complex words? It's like, because there isn't actually an exact word that means the same thing that I'm trying to say right now. So I use a word.
1: Right. Uh, Yes. And I think that's always um, the justification for doing it. Um, And it doesn't matter what discipline you go into, whether it's, I mean, as you know, I play the guitar and we have a a whole load of jargon that's designed to um, keep the knowledge within... You know, ultimately, that's what the, the professional languages are for, and every every single one has it. Uh, we I'm both worked cynical. in our youth on building sites, and we would yeah, have had the same
0: thing. But I'm less cynical generally uh, uh, when it comes to language, that that's what it's for. I think um, there are certain people who use it in that way, like a plumber comes around to your house and starts talking about some job, or whatever, electrician, and you just like, I don't know, just take my money. Uh, So in that way, it's used in that context. But I think actually coming up with new words that define a a complex set of ideas in one single word is an important way for language to develop. Well,
1: you've intrigued me straight away because my first job from school was as a plumber, so...
0: (laughs) Um, and did, of course, could you do could. that to your unwitting customers? Not as far as I know, you could
1: do. You could t- start talking about <laughs> the, the, the tools of the trade like PTFE tape and things like that. And, yeah. and perhaps the British stands BS 54321 deliberately <laughs> instead of explaining what it is, just use the. Uh, and, and that is also a shorthand. So you, you've got the two competing sides. So, yes. Um, um, and I think that's probably why I've not changed the title yet because I've not fully considered it. And you're right, there could be some reason why pedagogy is more, is more important to have that there because pedagogy is the, 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 the teaching of, uh, the study of teaching and learning rather than um, the one-sided consideration of learning. But then learning gives the right uh, inference for what, uh, um, yeah, because pedagogy is more specific to teaching. Because uh, the question is all about, uh, and the, the research lens of looking through is is about the student, is about the learning, not about the teacher. I mean, it's, it doesn't, that's not to say it doesn't consider the teacher, um, it doesn't problematize the teacher, because uh, th- it is interesting that there's a lot of literature that, well not a lot, there is a, there's a research project I've been recent, reading recently that did a review of the literature around entrepreneurship. Um, And uh, very similar to the way that you enter this piece of research, they they looked at government policy, they looked at university policy, and they looked at all the documentation around that, um, how entrepreneurship was being brought in as a concept for courses outside of the business school. Um, And that's that's very much a a government thing and very much something that's current in pedagogy, (laughs) in teaching and learning at the moment. Um, But what they noticed is that the... um, at no point did anybody mention the tutor or the teacher or the lecturer um, and that, that had not been that, that their role had not been considered as part of that route, and yet the individual way of presenting entrepreneurship is very can be very different, and even if it's nuanced, it still makes a big difference so uh I can't remember my point now. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, th- th- that, that is something that, that uh, I've considered because there are staff interviews, but that's more... Yes, yeah, so that was my point. My point was that I'm looking at, at, at more at the stu- students' understanding of what the roles and positions are in the television studio. So the staff function within my research as being the people that initially frame up what mm. those roles are and how they work... And so therefore, I need to interview the staff to understand what their framing of the different studio roles are. But actually, the interest is how the students then interpret that in, con- in coordination with their other understandings of what. So the the, the, the methods I'm using, the, the methodological approach is more complex than some, which is not a good thing. I mean, sometimes we say, oh, it's complicated because we're looking for uh, for that to be... Uh, an important element of it but in this case actually that that's I, I don't think that's a, I mean a simple um, set of methods for uh, a doctoral piece of work is is a good thing um, I've over it but hopefully it will end up being simple just very quickly there's staff studio in, uh, staff interview sorry to understand the nature of how they present the roles to the students then there is a student questionnaire which asks functions from several levels because it's trying to find out um, yes what the students think of roles but it's also trying to find out uh, their own social backgrounds it's trying to look at their own uh, position on uh, it, within uh, their own diversity uh, using the protected characteristics and the Equality Act 2010 as a template uh, to understand that. Um, and that is to map the field, the questionnaire. So the first one is about the staff, how the staff present the roles. The second bit, of the questionnaire, is to understand the relationships of people within the field of uh, university television studio learning, as in the students. The, the third part is to record the students in the space, picking their roles for a number of uh, sessions. And this is being done with a three hundred and sixty-degree camera. So the, um, and will also record with the three hundred and sixty degree camera one of the rehearsals. That's not data for the research project. The data comes from uh, a, a selection of students uh, re-experiencing um, those uh, th- th- that two those two filming points um, and being able to see how they functioned within those that space and being critical, <coughs> being critically reflected upon their own. Feelings and understandings. Um, I piloted that part of the. I piloted all the parts of the method, and that, that was quite effective. Because as soon as you, as soon as I put so, um, somebody in that virtual reality space. And this is actually just clicking on a camera in YouTube. So they weren't even wearing a headset. They were just able to look, direct their gaze wherever they wanted to look. And as soon as they were able to do it, they interacted with um, re-experiencing that space and that, that sort of experiences, um, and were were critical
0: immediately. So uh, it helped to sort of nudge their memory and their own yeah. experience of that space. <coughs> it actually even comes from um, <coughs>
1: the method comes from some work, well, it comes from various places, but uh, a colleague of mine. Uh, is using a method for her research, uh, Annie East, and she named this method virtual reality elicitation, and, and that's exactly what a VR elicitation. That's exactly what it does. You experience, re-experience the space, and then you it elicits some responses from you. Right. Um, and why that's powerful is because if you just ask questions about what happened, you know, two days ago or an hour ago or whatever it was, the way that we then write that story, we all throw a new
0: story depending on our experience. It'd be interesting if you could do both, but of course, doing one would then um, it'd be too late. They would then feed would, what they did with one into the other. Yeah, <laughs> but it'd be interesting oh, to I see, see the what difference. Mean. There's, ma- there's many ways in which you can
1: test that, but that's not the point of no, of the research of here. It's just a way of allowing people to talk about their experiences, um, and um, which would give the, the the data will be their responses uh, in that situation. It will be semi-structured. There will be some questions I will view the videos first uh, and be able to ask some questions that will uh, get some um, um, guide some responses to an extent Um, so that's the next part and then the final part is longitudinal element where uh, we interview some of them in in their second year to see because one of the the core principles of the way that Pierre Bourdieu looked at education is that he noticed um, and I think probably, the, the, yeah, he was the originator of this idea that, in fact, education doesn't exclude um, overtly the way that you would assume you know, people being expelled. and you know, Of course it happens, but it's, that's actually rare, especially when we're talking about higher education. The mechanism that usually prevents somebody being included is self-exclusion either because of attendance or um, non-engagement when in the space or, or picking to do something else, you know, opting out. Um, so it's, it's the self-exclusion. So um, Bourdieu sort of um, came up with this concept of the fish out of water, the fish in water. So it's whether you feel like a fish in water or a fish out of water. And okay. um, The intention, the, the, the point being that in the television studio, we'd like all our students to feel like fish
0: in water. Nice. That was a nice little round-up there. Um, <laughs> what, what, what if I said, surely self-exclusion is, every, is everybody's right no, absolutely. to self-exclude of course it from is. something if they don't want to be included? No, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, the intention of the
1: research is to understand student experiences in the television studio looking through the lens of uh, inclusion. So mm. uh, understanding why some students do self-exclude, mm. uh, is the idea is to inform the pedagogy is is going forwards to look at the dynamics and the positions available within the space, and see how we present them. Another reason for interviewing the staff, um, and look at whether uh, there are other forms of pedagogy that can uh, make people feel more included in the space.
0: I've often tussled with this a little bit with my own stuff that I do, like camera workshops, because you know, as you know, it's a very kind of um, heavily male-dominated. Yep. Um, Well, job it's probably improved professionally professionally speaking yeah it is improving Um, and a lot of that's
1: because of work done here I mean there's a lot of our graduates but I I, I always question
0: Mm. you know it's like I I always sort of questioned you you try your best to kind of even that out I guess but then you're thinking to yourself well perhaps it's just some sort of inherent you know you can't each individual person you can't make them do something that they feel they don't want to do for whatever reason if they feel like they don't want to do it no but I guess I guess maybe the idea is to remove as many boundaries as possible so they have the option to do it if they wish to
1: i think it's it's like everything in life it's not was it Socrates who said something along the lines of okay I'm doing well, quoting Greek <laughs> philosophers Socrates said something uh, it was uh, he talked about the unexamined life is not worth living something like that so um, mm. it's not I'm not trying to fix the world um, what all, all The intention of the research is purely to engage with what the possible reasons for self-exclusion from the space are, to try and uh, to um, long-term look at ensuring there is an inclusive pedagogic space there. Um, There is frameworks for inclusive pedagogy um, in general, um, but specifically, I want to look at the television studio. For instance, at the moment we allow the students... we allow the students to pick their own roles in the studio space um, and maybe that's not that's maybe that's not the way to do it maybe a guided exercise would be better maybe something specific but who knows what I'm saying is we've not engaged critically with what we do there other than um, the individual uh, lecturers and tutors um, using their own experience to to dictate that and it's just I think the doctoral study is point at which that you can have very, very deep inquiry into something very, very specific. Um, and in this case, I think that warrants investigation. What are these protected characteristics that you mentioned earlier? Ah, right. Yes, this is from the yeah, 2010 <coughs> Equality Act. And uh, it's an interesting act. Uh, in many ways, it was a massive step forwards because before 2010, uh, there was protection under law for all sorts of diversity, but under separate legislation and sometimes multiple pieces of legislation they reckon that the equality act replaced over 100 100 different sets of legislation so whether it was age or gender or you know whatever i mean and those are the protected so the first thing that the equality act does is define protected characteristics the characteristics that are protected under the act which in some ways is counterproductive um, in that there are that puts very firm lines in the sand as what what is what, what is protected under equality legislation, and also there was a a part of that law that was designed to protect intersectionality. That's when you answer more than one of the protected characteristics, where you feel that you may be um, prejudiced against because of two elements, uh, and that unfortunately was never enacted. So at the moment, uh, you can only uh, pursue a case under. One protected characteristics, and the protected characteristics just as I said, there their they're age, religion, class, race, not class. Sorry, just added one, class <laughs> is not in there. Um, sexual orientation, sexual identity, gender. Yeah, um, I don't know how many I did, but yes, so there's, <laughs> uh, there's
0: seven. Is race and nationality two different things? Are they on there? Or? Uh,
1: they are two different things. I and uh, no, I think they are two different, yeah, I'd have to look them up. Sorry. Yeah. But yes, there are seven different protected characteristics. And it's just, uh, I think the research is actually going to use that as a a framework because you need to have some form of framework to apply. But I don't think the research is going to inquire into all seven. I think it's actually going to end up inquiring into three or four of those elements. And I think the interesting thing with, I mean, as I say, the, the research required a framework and that seemed to be the... As as the prevailing law in the country at the time, that seems to be a reasonable thing to use. But I, I think the interesting thing about inclusion is that it is um, uh, it can in, in fact include everyone. Uh, already um, in the academic literature, the Equality Act is it's suggested that anyone can pursue um, uh, can, can pursue cases under it because we all have age. We. Mm. Uh, all have a gender identity so the, there are the, certain the a- characteristics the age disabilities under there as well actually, of course yeah.
0: the yeah. age one for me is an interesting one because a we are we are literally our age is literally changing <laughs> it <second>. is <laughs> and you can
1: suffer prejudice uh for your age for being too young or being too old you
0: know mm. so it's multi-dimensional um, but, but also um i think i think part of your study i don't know if you're still doing this but the neuro neurodiversity stuff is that is that still part yeah, of the study? Yeah, I mean or that not? was
1: an entry point for me, um, and <coughs> I realised that the the actually there was there's there's, there's far more to look at. Um, it, it's when you uh, looking at research, or certainly with the doctoral study, uh, my supervisors gave me quite a um, a definitive sort of decision to make post major review. And I came out the other side of major review. I was looking at exactly as you say, neurodiversity, intelligence studio, and they said, well, which is it? I was like, what what do you mean? And, well, you need need to be focused. Are you looking at the television studio? Is that your subject? Or is neurodiversity your subject? Because if it's neurodiversity, you can look at it in workshops and seminars, you can look at it in multiple different contexts. Why specifically the studio if it's neurodiversity? If you're looking at the studio, then why specifically neurodiversity? Why are you not looking at
0: inclusion
1: more generally? Right. Um, was one was was one side of the, the sort of questions, which I think is, it makes perfect sense.
0: It sounds a bit um, like a, it sounds a little bit. Um, but I mean, the, on the one hand, they're telling you to focus, and on the other hand, they're telling you, uh, like they're saying, if you're looking at the TV studio, then why just neurodiversity? As yeah. in, they're asking you to broaden out the other part of it. Well, no, because <laughs> <But> what
1: what, <laughs> what they're what they're saying is that. Um, you can make it about neurodiversity and then use the television studio as your case study, but the, the it, it's one. But the subject would be neurodiversity, right? I see. Uh, so the eventual, the sort of the the, the, the the question they asked me that that set me down the path I'm on now was when they said, um, or not the question. It was when they framed it this way. Uh, one of my supervisors said, of course, if you were to think of the studio as your focus, and there's two of your colleagues that are also involved in doctoral study. Uh, ed- on ed- education doctorates um, to do with studio teaching and you can develop a, um, a community of practice around that and a community of research around that so
0: that that's like a ding 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 it <laughs> was it was it a was. community it was. of it was practice a, well it was because
1: <laughs> and well because you support each other your research feeds into each other you can cite
0: each other and yes these microphones slowly yeah they're a bit they cr- a let r- me just actually Try to no, count- just counterweight mine. mine slightly. Sorry for the if the audio is sounding a bit. I'm guessing you're going to edit this bit out. I might have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good you've got well, one camera, so you can. I'll probably just <laughs> mute, mute the audio on mine. Oh yeah, it. that makes sense. Oh, you can still hear you. Yeah, I could really. Moaning m- I might invest my in my own mic stands. But mind you, you've probably got some better ones in the TV studio, haven't you? Could, uh,
1: well, no, these are good for this type of thing. No, but the all the um. Oh, the stands. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but well, microphones, yeah. These are the same sort of stands we use for, obviously, for music and uh, being in a band and setting them up and watching them slowly. Yeah, over the years, you get used to just how tightly you need to do them up. (laughs) Anyway, no, so where do we get to? Um, Yeah, so that's why the decision about. Uh, making the focus the television studio and then widening th- the other side of it to inclusion. It doesn't mean to say that uh, in the data analysis and the final conclusions that it cannot zone in on a specific air of, uh, area of inclusion, so it may well
0: refocus. Of conclusion, did you say, or inclusion? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But I think so you we started when, you, when you conclude, you might find that yeah. one of those protected characteristics is somehow yeah. being the research just included than others or something like that. it could be that
1: but all the research could just be informed better um or or, uh, the research can be informed by one specific i I don't know we'll have to see who Mm. knows what i mean that's the whole point about entering research like this you actually don't know the answer otherwise why would you be doing it in the first place uh you can have some sort of guesses as to what's going to happen and some intuition about (coughs) what's going to happen but i don't i don't genuinely don't uh, know what's going to come out the other side of this, um, what sort of recommendations m- could be made, um, and what the student's individual experiences on a granular level, you know, through this VR elicitation, that's going to be quite, you know, wh- what those are going to come out as. And, and certainly in a pilot, there was surprising how people related their experiences in the space. It's, um, um, it's its obviously you're not, until you do something like this, you are not inside other people's heads. mm not that this <laughs> research gets inside <laughs> people's heads, actually. Not like yeah. your voice in my headphones. Well, right exactly. Now, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: uh, okay, so that's kind of like a bit of a summary of your research. Yeah. Ha- what led you to this point? Out of all the things you could do in life, what led you to a be doing a doctorate?
1: Right. Well, actually, and, and that this ties, particular topic as well. That ties back into well, and you've, you've asked it anyway, but it ties back into the research, I think. Um, I, uh, I mean, and and this is where I was going just now as well with the inclusion thing. I've used the framework from the legislation, but there is is multiple problems with intersectionality being one. But the other one being that in actual fact, uh, all of us present a, uh, a wide profile of different facets that could be prejudiced against for lots of different reasons. Including those that aren't as visible, I was thinking as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (coughs) Neurodiversity is, is actually a key, key one of those. But, um uh and the and the reason because because people cite numerous barriers and obstacles to success in life and and really if you're looking for a, a a perfect inclusive space then anyone should be able to work within that space and and to give you an example how wide and how broad that becomes uh there is a prince of the realm who uh who well is he still a prince of the realm i'm not sure but who who has cons- considerable sort of um, concerns about h- his treatment over the last few years. And so when you're at that end of society where they seem to have had every privilege.
0: Oh, you're talking about Harry? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who about. Maybe the hell I should have just about. spoken out loud. <laughs> but yeah,
1: I mean, Prin- Prince Harry clear- clearly feels very right. strongly that yeah. there have been bar- barriers to happiness in his life and fulfillment mm. in his life. So what I'm saying is that. Um, and that's not to devalue other people's experiences uh, and not to say that there is different value in different experiences. But Harry makes a compelling case uh, that not everyone agrees with, but still makes a compelling case that... And what that you're saying Harry is, Harry is it if
0: someone him. that to everybody else seems like he has almost the perfect life, all these riches, you know, he can, the luxury to go every once wants in life, still has grievances over how he's been treated... Mm. I don't know how we're going to finish that point. <laughs> what were you going to say? Well, no, because you're yeah, yeah, I mean you're
1: you're sort of making my point for me, but which which is
0: fine. But the um that, that basically everyone has some form of barrier to something that they want that they can't get.
1: Yeah. And and I was going to give myself as the the example because that Points to why we're all, I feel motivated victims, to get a doctorate.
0: I think people say we're all victims. Well, you can look
1: through that lens, but um, <coughs> the, I, I think most of us choose not to. Well, Prince Harry obviously not. But well, <laughs> I mean,
0: I think from time to time we probably all do. We're
1: going off the point, Tom. Anyway, no, I don't think we are. <laughs> my point was <laughs> that are you well, a you victim? Well, you don't know what my point was. I yes. don't care about my point, point. My point was is that no, I, in some ways, I do see myself as a victim there because I I I, I found that I wasn't a fish and water in broadcasting and I struggled to gain a foothold and to develop a career in broadcasting and moved around a lot because of that, uh, generally in smaller TV stations. I had one of the better qualifications in broadcast journalism in the country, should have had uh, every opportunity open. Um, and I saw some of my colleagues on that qualification doing very well, uh, especially within the BBC. And it's at that point I realised that Traditionally, broadcasting has had a real class divide, um, which is well-cited and well...
0: So I could counter this, couldn't I, by saying, but you seem to be a white male who speaks very well, who's quite tall, which is also a good thing to be. Uh, in, so, yeah. you know, what is the, uh, well, that's the barrier the, here? And
1: so this is where Pierre Bourdieu comes in, and this is why so many people... <coughs> in my situation, read Bourdieu for the first time and suddenly go, oh, he understands me. Um, said <laughs> yeah. it clicks and you, you hear these stories time and time again. Most people in my... I'm sorry, I should mute That, this that is unprofessional. It is incredibly unprofessional I, and there's three times I let it do it before I'm using it. There we go. Um, yeah, the... It's it's this it's a often told story uh, that when you read Bourdieu for the first time, I'm suddenly going ah, and yeah, I I, I I present and and perhaps to a certain extent I've, I've deliberately cultivated that as well, uh, an impression of being somebody that would glide through. But I didn't feel that way because I came from uh, a very rural uh, hamlet in Somerset, Somerset, as I will say it with my zeds. Now I'm talking about home. Um, and I went to a comprehensive in an area that has the lowest social mobility in the country. And I only found that out recently, actually. I'd never seen it. I'd, I'd always thought that growing up in that area was a huge privilege and not realized what a barrier to social mobility growing up in, in a very insular seaside town um, can be. Um, now, I, I mean, I'm not claiming that I have the same barriers. I, I had the same barriers as, as uh, other people had to I mean I, I very much know that I uh, had privilege in and multiple situations and exploited privilege in multiple situations and probably would not do it any differently in the future. But that's not to say that I agree with that being the way that the world is, mm. and that's why in a very small way this doctoral research hopes to open an area of huge privilege of working in a I mean the t- television studios that we have here. Very, very nice top of the range 4K, probably the best in the country in an education establishment at the moment. Um, <coughs> taught by some very, very important people who've had glittering broadcast careers, and me. Uh, <laughs> and um, But yeah, so I mean, uh, it's, it's a huge privilege to be here as well. And uh, I think one of the things about w- being able to reflect on privilege, and I know a lot of people have, have balked at this, I- this concept and idea of privilege. Um, but one of the things about being able to reflect upon it is you can take two decisions. You can either balk at it, you can have problems with it, and you can critique it, or you can actually say, no, oh, I get that. I, I have had a huge amount of privilege in, in multiple ways, um, but possibly not in this way, which I can use empathi- empathically to think about how that would function for other people who have less privilege. Mm. And why can I therefore use my privilege or the situation that i find myself in due to that privilege to make the world a better place for the future
0: it's interesting isn't it this idea of um of uh, check your privilege or oh, check your privileges comes across as a negative connotation doesn't it? it's when people say shut up basically aren't they like people get put down online if they say check your privileges right. yeah but um i wasn't gonna, i wasn't trying to go down that route anyway, and sometimes well, that's
1: tr- very that's a very relevant <laughs> thing to be saying i think
0: well i mean i suppose but people yeah. could level that criticism at prince harry right um <laughs> oh, and you were saying I was unprofessional. So, oh shit, yeah, that's a reminder I need to do something. And you've sworn and I've on just next
1: to it. And, you've <laughs> and you've sworn on a microphone. Brilliant.
0: Full house. Sorry, give me one second. I just need to amend the time on this so I do remember to do this because otherwise I'll be what is in trouble. It? I need to drop the push chair that I inadvertently nah. brought to work this morning in the boot of my car Actually, back I, home. No,
1: this is that is a wonderful example. Um, <coughs> I used to work as I worked for a short time as a videographer with my own business and went out and it was mainly viral video and worked for some very large clients. And there was one particular client who I would have said should have known better. Now, one of the reasons that I worked like that was because I was a stay-at-home dad. And so I was a uh, primary carer during the day because my wife was working um for my daughter and occasionally I wouldn't have to take her on filming jobs and the vast majority of people one of actually saw it as an advantage to have um uh Chloe along to these um sort of things I mean I, um but uh there was one particular client I had who um loomed over the top of her and she burst into tears um and then uh had a real problem uh, that I was a working father that had to and because it was uh, not deliberate it was uh, organized that she would be looked after it was a long story um, and it was organized by his press officer uh, and she was unable that was unable to happen um, and I lost that very important work It was a public service uh, employer as well so an individual having an issue um, that way so what I'm trying to say is I certainly understood what a challenge uh, being a mother and working uh must be from Mm. from that parallel experience i've
0: got a very good friend of mine who's going through this battle at the moment who's recently had a child and her uh, she works in a zoo Mm. in devon um and they refuse i know the zoo do you very well yeah if it is the same one probably Probably not no it's a small zoo
1: yeah it was the subject of film i bought a zoo
0: is it? Well, this seems like a strange coincidence. Or no, it's no, it's not that one. It's oh, okay,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, that would be a coincidence. Anyway, yeah.
0: I think it's Sheldon. Is right. that a place in Devon? <laughs> Don't know.
1: Carry on. I can't remember the name of the zoo I'm trying to talk about now. Anyway, <laughs> she's, she's battling she's at Dunlap the moment it. because they refuse
0: <laughs> to consider different hours for her to be flexible yeah, and this sort of stuff. Fair. And she's now, you know, she's now getting involved with protests for like. Um, what are they? The the slogan is. Um, uh, pregnant then screwed. Or something like that, which I think is quite catchy. Yeah, it's quite catchy. Um, Um, Because you you basically do get penalised as soon as you have Mm. children in certain industries, I would imagine. The Equality (coughs) Act covers pregnancy and
1: maternity, but Mm -hmm. I I think it's quite limited protection. But there is some protection in law for.
0: It's an interesting thing for me. I mean, I I completely um, like side with that side of things from the individual human perspective. But then part of me also thinks, well, a business is. I mean, to what extent and how can we encourage businesses to cater for individuals in that sense, when really the prime focus of a business is to well, capitalise, is to make profits. In
1: a neoliberal society.
0: Yeah, so, so I mean, but how does that...
1: Take a change of government, to change that? Anyway.
0: How, how do we... How the, is that... Um, I know we're going off topic, but...
1: Well, no, but... Is the, so there are some interesting elements here, because obviously it's part of the literature review for this work I had to read through an awful lot of government policy and the Equality Act. That multiple sounds times. so
0: dull. <laughs> yeah uh, I won't <laughs> deny it
1: um, but actually no uh, one of the interesting things and this is when you have to say something's interesting <laughs> you sometimes wonder uh, if I have to qualify as being interesting, interesting is it really but no um <laughs> Uh, in this case, I think it probably is. Is that um,
0: <laughs> You said it again. That means it's, terrib- it's terribly <laughs> yeah. disinteresting. Well, no, looking okay, at okay. it from a
1: student's perspective and yeah. looking at... Um, uh, so the reason to use law is if you feel that you've been unfairly treated. So you'd use the Equality Act. To, you, you would basically... You go and see a, a barrister, not a lawyer, that's America. In this country, it'd be a, well, be a solicitor. You're going to see a solicitor and say that I've been unfairly treated because of A, B, and C. And they would say... Um, well, you would have a case under the Equality Act because that's one of the protected characteristics and and then justify that piece of statutory legislation. It doesn't mean to say it's the only piece of legislation that may fit. Um, Quite often you'll hear about a new law being brought in and you think, well, why why is there a new law in that? Because it's already covered by another piece of legislation. Um, For instance, when you're filming on a beach, somebody say you're not allowed to film here. Well, no, you are because you're in a public space. But you may be filming... Children inappropriately, in which case, no, there's there's other legislation that prevents you from doing that. So um, it, it's always a patchwork. Um, and the the really in- see, I've said really interesting now. I'm absolutely condemning <laughs> this tidbit. It's in your head now. Yeah, but the um, so when it comes to students that feel that they've been unfairly treated by, say, a university, uh, you would think, oh well, equality legislation is going to be your your primary friend. But there's it's, there's quite a lot to prove. Under the Equality Act, uh, and uh, as we were saying earlier, intersectionality may mean that you you have to pursue it under one element, whereas the two taken together is what's caused the prejudice. So you're unlikely to be successful because well, that's actually not reached them. There's a set of sort of measures to allow a uh, judge or a jury to to make a decision under that. Um, so what they're actually suggesting now is that students students wouldn't bother with the Equality Act because of the way that education is now funded. I don't think this has been tried in law yet, and this is a specific paper, Roberts and Howe, if you're interested in following up. Wow, I'm, in, but, I'm um, impressed. Uh, yeah, and they uh, what they suddenly realised is that actually a student that wants to, to progress a, a case under prejudice um, has a would have a a, um, a, a sense of recourse through the um, consumer legislation, because they're oh, paying right. for their education. Mm. Um, and that's far more powerful, and the uh, potential awards precedent. are quite high. Exactly, and that's the point. So you, you've just shown your legal knowledge. You know, I see you looking very as <laughs> The word as well. precedent. <laughs> precedent, yeah. <laughs> and actually, it does, and, that, and, and you're exactly right, because it takes one case to be one to set that as a legal precedent, and then it becomes very straightforward for people to prosecute uh, underneath that. Piece of legislation, so um, so yeah. Consumer law is, uh, and and I know the universities are concerned about that because there is training being given uh, around consumer law, mm. um, and that's a, a facet, that's a way in which education is developing. So, and uh, uh, actually, another rationale for my research, because if we were, for instance, to be found not to be inclusive in the television studio, uh, <laughs> obviously, a student would be able to pursue as for damages under the Equality Act 2010
0: or, in fact, consumer law. That could be a very useful rationale for you in terms of, um, you know... Why I'm doing it. uh, No, not for you personally. (laughs) Like external traction or whatever. Yeah. uh, It's of big interest to universities who might come up against this sort of thing. Yeah, That's actually, it could be a good rationale for, you know, I don't know, stakeholders in in your research or whatever. People who are interested in funding something along the lines of... It is important to think
1: about these things in these ways because, uh, for instance, w- 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 universities feel that they're doing inclusion very, very well. Um, I think we feel in this university we're doing inclusion well, um, but certainly um, Sarah Armit, who who is well-published on this subject, uh, wrote uh, a, a book called... Um, right? Can't remember the name of the book. That's, a nice, was a that's book, an interesting, that's an interesting
0: title. Yeah. <laughs>
1: 2012... Uh, on Being Included, it's called. There well, we are. I well knew it was done. in there somewhere. Well played. Um, yeah, On Being Included. And she looked at diversity work in universities um, uh, because she was concerned that it wasn't doing what it said on, on the tin. Mm. Um, and her conclusions were really quite surprising. But also, when you hear them, you go, oh, yeah. Because what she pointed out is inclusion work within large organizations. And she focused on universities, but she levels this accusation wider. Um, generally is about writing policies and counting representation. Mm. And her question through the book is, what, actual, what, what does this actually do to change inclusion, to change diversity? And well, it, it doesn't really do that at all, because diversity work in, it, in and of itself is not involved in increasing diversity. It's involved in counting and publishing policy.
0: I think you had another finger up for a second then. No, no. <laughs> I'm so used to doing that, you doing that to me. <laughs>
1: uh, I find it. I find it helps people remember stuff, but there's also um, <laughs> places where it's not uh, appropriate. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, so, uh, and that's an in- intriguing sort of thing to think that that actually this um, idea has been co-opted within a neoliberal framework mm. to ultimately not achieve
0: what it's there to achieve. Well, I mean what does inclusion look like really? The perfect inclusive thing. What does it look
1: and like? And there's huge debate over that. Is it um I mean uh, to 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 bring someone up that you've cited on occasion um whose name I've forgotten. Who now. I've cited? Yeah.
0: I don't ever cite anyone. oh Peterson. Thank you. <laughs> Jordan Peterson.
1: Jordan Peterson. Um he yeah. he, he he's he, uh, you know I'm not a fan, but you also know some of my arguments as to to uh, he, he 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 presents very sensible arguments but he is specifically designed to engrandize himself he will look at any debate and look for the chinks in the armor um, and develop a compelling argument and the one that he puts on to equality is he he sees the current framework for equality to be equality of outcome, which, which I think he's probably right about. Because uh, of that, because
0: of that counting thing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Quantifying things. I mean, this is the for thing that are probably already there. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, isn't no,
1: you you but, but I think this is this, this is where I think Peterson's dangerous um, because he has a, he has a point. Um, which is equality of outcome is not the same as equality for opportunity, and actually, what the if you look at it purely using an intellectual framework, equality of opportunity is the right way to go, and equality of outcome is is clearly wrong. But that completely ignores but the fact that we are working within a a a, a a a a very highly skewed society. Our own department is a good example of this. When I joined our department. It was 80% male, 20% female tuition. Now that is not going to be positive for inclusion. The representation on the teaching staff is 80% male. That says two things. It says to any female member of uh, any female student that comes in, I am not represented. I can't see myself doing any of these jobs, basically. And secondly, what it does is it means that we're only getting a, um, a singular perspective from from male staff, and suggests that. It, it is a male industry um and we we are now within like two or three years because and it was the, the there was a policy of encouragement um, for female staff female staff were strongly encouraged to apply um, stating that there was a and in this case a quality of opportunity but we we within a very short number of years went to a fifty fifty concentration of staff, which are the numbers that we put through for to Athena Swan. so I know that they 're valid um and the department's not fallen off a cliff. <laughs> it's not exploded. <laughs> Nothing's gone wrong. Um, we've used a, a, arguably a positive discrimination policy to change which the distribution I, I, within the department, which is where the problems come. Yeah, because I don't the think there's come. such
0: thing as positive discrimination without the negative of... Some some individual has probably no, been of course not for not being the Absolutely, and some
1: individual has, and I think we we know where I would go with that. But <laughs> that. But that's... <laughs> That's not the point. The point is that we've addressed a historic problem.
0: Of this representation idea is what the thing is. Because it's fixed something by breaking lots of other small things along the way, probably. Well, there, I it, think there's a like, point
1: at which positive discrimination and equality of outcome... It's justified. It's justified, you're and there's a point I, at I which it's not justified.
0: I kind of understand that argument, that like mm. you do this stuff for maybe like 10 years to try to correct the issue and then let it go again or something. But will that will that let it go again thing... If you're ca- <laughs> what right, will the outcome okay. of that be?
1: If a nail goes into your tyre on your car. Right, I don't know where this is going, but go on. You, you <laughs> repair it, don't you? Uh, sure, yeah. You don't then replace
0: that tyre next I- week and the, week after, and the week after that. I'm trying to figure out how I can argue with this. If you've got a problem with it. Well, no, if you've <laughs> go got on, a problem. Karen.
1: If something breaks on your car, you get it repaired. You don't then keep repairing it you just right. repair it once oh i see but you right. do put the effort into fixing that problem
0: yeah okay but let's say Positively. Your, tire, your tires wear out over time so you have to constantly keep repairing those because the natural In the way future. of things just leads to a certain thing we yeah lots, we, <laughs> you can't no, ignore it there's no okay
1: but well but this you've is a, just fitted a new set of tires then you could ignore
0: it <laughs> For a while. Yeah. Yeah. Until it happens again. Maybe at
1: some point somebody will, will and and uh, th- there has been many different attempts at this. There will be a tire invented that doesn't that's not an air based pneumatic <laughs> I tire. I thought you were
0: gonna move this over to the actual thing we're talking about when you started. No, I'm still so with the you're analogy stuck, you're sticking with the sticking with <laughs> it's the analogy. But
1: somebody will actually fix the principle of of, see, okay. uh, of pneumatic tires right, and yeah. we won't we'll no longer have okay. punctures.
0: So in the analogy, what does that mean?
1: Well, maybe our society will become we'll learn
0: our own biases.
1: Yes, and we our will become own. a more equitable society. At okay. which point, it doesn't need repairing. Is That'll my point? My point is positive discrimination is there to to repair historic wrongs. It's like when people say, "Why uh, this, is there still a problem with um, racism in America?" They're still going on about history. Well, no, this is recent. This is now. This is still a problem. There's a problem that needs to be fixed. Can't leave it alone. It needs to be repaired. Mm. So there needs to be reparation. There needs to be consideration. There needs to be talk. It needs to be brought up at every opportunity to fix the problem. If the problem's fixed, then we don't have to mention it. But the only people who think (laughs) the problem is fixed are the people that don't have the problem. (laughs) The people who benefit from the problem. Exactly. Well, in fact, yes. I say the Um, people who don't have the problem, it's even worse than that. The people who benefit from the problem. Something I've not thought about. I mean, a garage will repair your tyres every week if you give them 50 quid.
0: (laughs) Of course. But that's because it's not their problem.
1: It's not their problem. They'll take the money. They'll check your tyres for you, they'll rotate them, they'll replace them, they'll do whatever you want.
0: Something that occurred to me when we were talking about the equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity debate, which hadn't occurred to me before but it's just occurred to me when we're talking now, is how do you define when at what point in uh, forcing some sort of equality thing What? uh, How can you define? How can you define? No, 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 no. What I'm saying, and and it's right. No, no. Let me finish. What I'm saying is, how can you define the difference between an outcome and giving someone an opportunity? Because we could argue, okay, hiring lots of females in the department was an outcome, but was it? Was it actually an opportunity to then develop somehow other? Like you could take it all the way back down to being a child, to being a child and being picked, say, for uh, Mm. the school team or something. Well, thank you. Are you you giving that? Are you giving that child an outcome, or are you giving them an opportunity? I thank you for undermining
1: Peterson's argument for me. But you're no, you're absolutely right. In in, in this particular analogy, Mm. no (laughs) actual positive discrimination, to my knowledge, was displayed. Uh, It was the advert that purely said applications particularly welcome from female. Now I don't know if there was any discrimination through the through the the employment process, but I don't believe there was. I believe that everybody <laughs> I mean, interviewed it's equally. It's hard to prove one way or another, isn't it? But I would but I do know the number of female applicants if, went up. Uh,
0: I mean, oh, okay, which right,
1: then right. meant that the number of successful female candidates went up. I mean, those two things are linked. So you know, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it, I mean yeah. if I was
0: a man reading that advert, I'd probably be less inclined to apply for it. If it said females, I would think. Why have they written that? That, in, that discludes me. That feels like Excludes it's, me. Ex, di, I said discludes He said I? discludes That's a new word. I, I, the idea me. of
1: a white middle class male being excluded from anything. Oh, but this is, is the point we're making, isn't though,
0: isn't it? This is the point we And this is the point I said, this is why I brought up that you're a, a white male, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, you, but you've got your own barriers that you felt. I mean, if something yes. explicitly said, you know, um, females are, 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 are welcome, I would think on the flip side, then they didn't include my characteristic my protected characteristic in there. Males are also included, right. so that must, that, um, that must mean I'm excluded. That must mean I'm excluded if they just, didn't include me in you're the right. list. That they uh, <laughs> and
1: I would still justify that as saying that there is a point in which you have to repair a problem. Yeah, uh, Peterson's I, I point actually that. even goes deeper than that because if he was sat here now, obviously I would lose hands down. The guy is uh, very bright and
0: is. But it is bugs me that very that because. It bu- it bu- that's uh, sorry. That's point so that I'm winning because he's not here. But that's but that's another point. That's another thing that annoys me is that sometimes pe- when people debate, they're debating for their own ego. They see it as well. He is. For them, an individual win for them he is and they're not trying to find a truth in the matter which it bugs me then if someone says I'm really good at debating it's like oh, I'm great are you finding truth ever or are you just winning the debates that you go to get well into? exactly I'm <laughs>
1: trying to be equal handed by by suggesting his what his points counterpoints would be his yeah. counterpoint in this but case I, I, I think, think would be I think
0: we be. actually do that quite well when we chat with each other so I, I hope so I think we, we do consider not. both sides of the argument <laughs> no I think we, we sometimes <laughs> try trash, to but then we consider
1: well I think his answer would be that um, that's all Fair enough, but who decides when you stop doing the positive discrimination? Well, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and that becomes, <laughs> that becomes the, the problematic area. And also, uh, actually, his main argument I do disagree with, which is that there is specific measurable differences between uh, what a man and what a woman can achieve and how they approach things. Um, and he's been on record of saying that.
0: are you are you talking like biological differences here now? Or? Yeah, uh,
1: but he, I think overstresses <coughs> the extent to which those biological uh, differences affect uh, people in the professional world. Okay. I mean, there I th- are specific I think, I obvious mean, th- ones. Th- the,
0: the thing he d- gives us this bell curve thing. I don't know if you've I mean, Yeah, oh, probably. But there's you know, a He says, I'm he says, sure like, say, m- say the top ten percent of people who are interested in engineering are the people who actually become engineers. Mm. And although there's a fairly even split across the middle, the top ten percent is mostly males. Mm. For example, but that, something. Like but one of the I, d- I really
1: gives. don't feel that engineering is something that is going to be um, an innately biological gender imbalance because it's a neurological thing it's not
0: yeah uh, physically but how but how, but no, no no but how does the how i mean i do, this is the, this is the constant debate that actually ended up me getting frustrated when i was doing my own doctor it was because it's this nature versus nurture debate yeah like well, how much can't of this answer. Does, does it affect your psychology towards things like mm. i would I, I i think most people well actually let me just ask you would you agree that women biologically across a percentage of the population are more nurturing, have more instinct towards nurture. Because if you could admit that, then by extension, there then becomes a whole load of differences that men and right. women have. Uh, but uh, it depends if you can,
1: uh, there, if you would agree with that. There is an element of nurture and an element of nature. I think we massively, I mean, by thousands of percent points, which is impossible, <laughs> but by a huge percentage, we massively overstate. Percentages, the, <laughs> Yes, the, um, the nurture side. Right, okay. And the reason that I say this is that my father's generation, I mean, actually, and he reminded me of this, because I was telling him how lucky I was to be able to be a stay-at-home dad. When my, and he was like, you've got a short memory. I was like, what? And he'd, um, in his time, obviously, it was much tougher for somebody to be a stay-at-home dad. And he uh, worked it through a little loophole in that he took night shifts so he could be at home during the day. And he would sleep in the mornings and then be up, uh in the afternoons to see his family his young family which mm. uh, yeah, I'm, i was pretty really imp- i was really shocked surprised and impressed when he said that but um a what i'm saying is in his time it was it was uh, it was pretty much an absolute when we were kids in the 70s um i'm that old yeah thank you um <laughs> the 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 man went to work and mm. the woman stayed at home yes That's probably it's, even it's, in your childhood even yeah. though you were only 12 you know you probably <laughs> It was still there's still a strong inference. But that goes down each year as we realise how ridiculous that is. Mm. There there is so, a point so to it.
0: So do you think do you think so sometimes I feel a little bit like uh I don't have as good instincts when it comes to small things looking after kids as as my wife Claire does. Um but I wonder is that because it's been culturally ingrained on me because I identify as a it's man no, 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 and then there's that both, thing, but I or would is it just because
1: the biological element has been massively overstated, and the nurture element has been completely, almost completely, forgotten. Like, for instance, the pink deal and blue though. thing.
0: I mean, it is quite a big deal, though, that a woman carries the baby for nine months and then, you know, more often than not, feeds the baby from her own breast. I mean, that that natural thing that we cannot change is probably the foundation for a lot of other things that then make men and women different. That's an um, unchangeable. Yeah, no, no, no. Mind it, it, is, it is changeable with science these days, to be honest. But
1: um... <laughs> less, uh, more changeable, but it's still not entirely changeable. Yeah. Um, yes, I still go back to my point. I think it's, it's massively overstated. overstated. Okay. I think I think you're right that there is underneath everything that humankind does, there are biological imperatives. We are biological creatures, um, but we have overprinted that with civilization, society, and our own cognitive ability to think. Uh, for thousands of years um, so it obscures almost totally the biological imperatives to our lives but not completely no um, but understanding what the balance is is impossible there's an mm. unanswerable question yeah there, there and and why do we need to answer it we don't need to answer it i mean there's evidence all around us that we've got it wrong at the moment uh, and and i'll go back to my example male, 20% female, now
0: 50% male, female, still works. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think anyone ever doubted the it would. not changed. I don't in think anyone any ever way. doubted it would. I don't. I. I, I wouldn't imagine anyone ever well, doubted the 50-50 do you know would wouldn't work. I, be, I, bet
1: I, I I I. expect there were, were some people that thought that, and I. And I, I. think I would have myself a few, a couple of decades ago. I remember entering the broadcast industry and having those feelings about well, why do the girls want to do camera now? They're not strong enough and leave it. I'm a bloke. I should be allowed to do it. I remember being in radio and thinking oh, I have. I I don't have an accent Of being very proud of the fact that I mean that was given to me by my parents it was not something that I worked hard to get or anything but I was very proud of not having an accent because it meant I could be a a broadcaster and then all of a sudden they want regional accents I felt very hard done by by that (laughs) Um, so uh, yeah it's 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 all a bit silly to be honest and all we need to do is just look after each other and make sure that everybody has the opportunity. Quality of opportunity is 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 really what I'm talking about as far as the studio's concerned. Yeah, and but self- when does the opportunity
0: become an outcome? It's concerned. That's my question.
1: Well, yeah, and and uh, and I would encourage quality of uh, outcome. At the moment, um, I had a student who was neurodiverse and and um, still. Doesn't have years after graduation. Still's not get, has got an industry job, and I've very much encouraged that to happen, but unfortunately, it has not. Um, but you know, there are uh, a number of our graduates now who are uh, camera operators who are not what you traditionally consider to be a cameraman.
0: <laughs> nice inference on the man. There, well, yeah, yeah, and
1: and I think we, I, I think. We could be justifiably proud of a few things that we've done, very small things, but still considerable things. um, Our old head of department, as you know, lobbied the Guild of Television Cameramen to change their title because it's, it's, it's possibly the last example in the modern world. I mean... Postman, maybe we still use. I don't know. Uh, well, post they would, they would call it a delivery,
0: delivery I merchant know. or something. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't delivery know. Delivery
1: operant. So that's one of the last ones because I remember working at the police ten years ago, more longer than that, fifteen years ago. Uh, occasionally slipped into policeman, and I was always immediately corrected, police officer. It is police officer. These
0: are genderless roles. They've now changed it to camera professionals, haven't they? The Guild of. Temer- so yeah, the, the
1: Guild actually we misinterpreted because uh, initially they were very resistant to it, um, and we interpreted that as um, being native towards the idea. But it went to the membership, and it was changed to Guild of Television Professionals. They were actually concerned with the, I think one of the the, um, leading sort of suggestions was camera operator. Um, And that negates the sort of craft of camera work, or they felt it did, um, uh, and made it sound. But, you know, uh, having been a camera operator, (laughs) And being a video journalist and and running cameras, and you teach cameras as well, the level of science that's sometimes applied to it by some of the old boys in the industry um is is unjustifiable <laughs> it's uh it's it is a a creative and technical job i that mean there takes is some cer- skill and aptitude yeah and there is work. a
0: certain amount to get your head around to begin with, but once you're over that it's not yeah rocket, but rocket and so. I guess that's the same
1: with pretty much all disciplines to be mm, fair yeah. Um, But we make these delineations, we say these things, and we want to be professionals rather than operators purely because we want to protect our own interests, and that's understandable, you know. Um, And the only way to actually get us to sit down and go, oh, uh, no, I I want to change that bit of practice, is for some decent, peer-reviewed, quality research to be done that, yeah... Bringing it, and to here he is. Bring it full cycle. So the reason for doing this piece of research no <laughs> oh, is just to ensure that that this wonderful facility that certainly is something that is um uh appreciated by everyone who sees it, um, is, is open to all and is not something that is only open to a small percentage of society. Hopefully the findings of the research are that we're actually doing this quite well. Uh, I don't you know. We shall. We shall have to see. It depends on the students because it's the stu- It's it's really the students. I mean, it, it, it's research usually looks at either agency or structure. So uh, the way I've been talking infers that I'm looking purely at the students. But as you as you when I was going through the methods, I was talking about working out the positions available within the studio. So that's the structure. So using a Bordeauxian as they call it, or in, or however you want to say it, Stru- um, lens to look through a theoretical lens, uh, hopefully it can bring the, the, the structure and the agent together so that the the student in the space and the structure itself we can look at how those two interact and see whether we're, we are being inclusive, or to what extent we're being inclusive, sorry. You can't be inclusive or not
0: inclusive. It's it's always a spectrum. Mm. <laughs> um, well, ironic it is. Ironic use of the word spectrum as well, because that's...
1: Well, issues <laughs> in neurodiversity, anyway. yes. But um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah.
0: anyway, let's, I feel like this is concluding, so let's wrap this up. Adrian yeah. Butterworth, maybe soon to be Doctor Adrian. <laughs> no,
1: I no. Mean, well, you asked me all my the reasons for doing the research at the start. I'm actually, uh, probably far too much. <laughs> That's the real being one.
0: <laughs> doctor, but yes. Thank you. For Thank the you. Chat. It's been enlightening. <laughs> Hopefully.
1: Good. Well, in which case, the research is already uh, fulfilling its intentions.
0: No, no, it sounds like good research. So I'm glad that you've actually kind of finally settled on an idea because I seem to remember, oh, let's not get back into a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but it's taken you a long time to get Engagement to Engagement and impact, think. we're there. Bad. It's good. Cheers. Cheers.